Welcome to Greensburg Baptist Church. We welcome our church family and also our visiting friends. Thank you for coming to worship with us. To find out more about Greensburg Baptist Church, our upcoming events, and other church activities, visit our website anytime at greensburgbaptist.com. How many times have you ever been like watching a movie or maybe reading a book and like it has like this twist at the end? How many of you ever like seen a book, read a movie, right? Or yeah, exactly. Yes, that too, right? You maybe you're watching it, right? You had no, you didn't see it coming. All of a sudden, the whole plot twist, something crazy happens, right? There's some of those movies that are pretty epic like that, right? I mean, there's just different ones you can think of. And today, I got a little bit of a spoiler alert. This is. From the Empire Strikes Back, 1980, right? So this is 40 years, so this is a spoiler for you. I don't know what else I can do. Um, but maybe you remember this scene. You can see it there on there, right? Our hero, Luke Skywalker, right? He's there. He's battling who? Darth Vader, right? He's fi- fighting Darth Vader. And they had this interchange, right? They had this moment in which Luke Skywalker tells him, right, about how, how he knows that, that he's evil and and Darth Vader says, well, what is Obi-Wan? What's Obi-Wan Kenobi told you about me? He says, all I know is that basically you killed my dad. And then we had those epic line from Darth Vader, right? Four words. I am your father. And everything twists like, you mean like, like what? Right? Like what? Like what just happened here, Right? And this is a moment in which everything changed. It's like a shocking, like, like, how do you take that in? Like, how in the world can that be Luke's dad, right? Like, I mean, Darth Vader, right? I mean, and maybe you've had those moments in life, like that cancer or that diagnosis was under control, and you go back for the next scan, and man, it's just like Christmas tree, your pet scan. Maybe you're walking beside someone you love in the midst of addiction and you think finally this time they've hit rock bottom and things get better for weeks or months and then that addiction takes over again. Maybe you've had moments like where you've just had experiences with people you thought, man, it was just like this was going to get better and then all of a sudden like your, your life, it just takes this twist, this relationship you thought was finally getting better. All of a sudden it just twists and like what is happening here? And those moments are hard because there's a temptation like maybe I'll just throw in the towel this time. Like I'm just done. Like I'm done with that person, right? I love them, I care, I'm just, but I'm just done, right? I'm done like with any treatment. Like there's no reason to go on. Like, I mean, I'm just at that season in life. Like why, why, like if this is what it is and like I'm just, I'm just done, right? I mean, some of you, like you're, you're there, like you're wondering, like, I mean, you thought like that porn addiction finally got better and now like, man, it's just, it's come back in your life like with just havoc. It's just ruling and raining over you. Maybe you're there and maybe it's not like you were throwing the towel, but maybe you just decide that you're going to run away. Not like run away physically, but like just run away emotionally. Like you're just, you're to the point, like you've been hurt so much, like you just, like you don't want to talk anymore. Like you don't, you, don't, you can't even cry anymore. Like, but like you're present with people, but like, I mean, the truth is you're like miles away. Because you've like just experienced this hurt, like the, just how things have worked out. I mean, you, you've thought, right? I mean, like you thought like this God of the Bible, if he was really real, like then things would look differently. Like you hear God's word and it seems like it looks really good in the Bible, but like your life doesn't look like that. Been there? I mean, that's what's going to happen in today's text. Like you're going to hear this unbelievably epic moment of which you think the whole world is finally like everything is right. And then verse 7 picks up and it's like, what? Like how did, 
I thought we were here. I thought God was doing... You've you been there? Like you had those moments in life? Like, and listen, here's the temptation in life's hardest moments. It's like to give up and just run away. Because if it was ever going to change, like you're thinking like, well, surely if it was ever going to get better, like surely if they would quit that addiction, surely if I was going to be healthy, surely if that relationship was going to work, surely if I was going to overcome this struggle with my temptation, like surely by now it would have happened. But today's text and throughout the book of Isaiah, we're reminding that as tempting as it is for God's people to throw in the towel or to run away, listen, there is hope. Why? And this big truth I want to share with you today. What God starts, he will finish. And this takes eyes of faith. Listen, this, this doesn't happen automatically because you're going to see from the text today it looks like it's going one direction and boom, things change. But I want to encourage you today. I want to, I want to propel you forward today from this text to remember this statement, what God starts, He will finish. And I want you to rest there today. Right? I mean, we see a world that's wrecked by social injustice, abortion, threats of war, impeachments. Governments at war with one another, threatening them nuclear war. We see hungry children, right? I mean, the list just keeps going. And we want to do something about it. But the truth is from history, not only now, but like history past, nobody's been able to do anything about it. That's why it's still an issue, right? I mean, like no one's been able to do anything that's like long term, like maybe for a moment, like something changes, but nothing long term. Right? I mean, we want peace, but man, we haven't been able to provide it. We're called to end suffering, but we can't. We're called to make sure that, listen, nobody goes to bed hungry tonight, but throughout all this world, there's going to be all kinds of people tonight that will go to bed hungry. And the beautiful thing is, is that Isaiah reminds us that, guys, there's coming a day that what God started there in the garden to create men and women, boys and girls, in His image and in fellowship with Him, He's going to restore that ultimately through His death, burial, and resurrection of His Son. But that's not here yet. And the truth is, from today's text, you'll realize that no one other than God can bring it about. And so if you're hoping in someone else, if you're hoping in the next scan, if you're hoping that you could change it, if you're hoping for the next government, if you're hoping for whoever's the president going to be in 2020, if you're hoping like for all... The Bible says, listen, here's the hope. It's Jesus Christ. So look at me, you would, today, beginning in verse 1. It says in verse 1 of... Isaiah 63, who is this who comes from Edom in, in crimson garments from Bozrah, right? So Edom is southeast of Jerusalem, right? Bozrah is the capital of Edom. And Edom, you've got to understand, Edom serves as like the arch nemesis, like the world like in rebellion to God. It's like the height, right? I don't know what you would define, right? I don't know what, where you think that is, right? Of like, man, that's just the darkest place, right? I mean, maybe you'd say, man, there's certain places in America or certain places in the world that are just, they're just dark, right? Edom represents the world in rebellion to God. So you've got to understand that, right? I mean, it's, it's a physical place, but they represent the whole world that's opposed to God and His rule and reign and the truth of His words. So you've got to understand what's happening here. So listen to what it says again. Who is this who comes from Edom? In crimson garments from Bozrah, he who is splendid in his apparel, marching in the greatness of his strength. It is I, speaking in righteousness, mighty to save. Listen to this question. Why is your apparel red? And your garments like his who treads in the winepress. So something's happening here. His garments are red. 
He's treading the wine press. Like, what's happened? Like, what have you, what have you been doing here? Right? This, this great one is marching out. Or again, he's marching out from the world that's been in rebellion to God. And he's marching forth. Like, he's coming out of the city. Try, like, there's, like, everything's changed about his apparel. So, like, what's happening? Look at how he says, verse 3. I have, look what he says here, trodden the wine press alone. And from the peoples, no one was with me. I trod them in my anger and trampled them in my wrath. Their lifeblood spattered on my garments and stained all my apparel. If you're with us back in 2014, we walked through the book of Revelation at that point, And uh, we came to texts like Revelation 14 where this angel is going to come and he's going to swing his sickle right across and harvest the earth. And it's just this awful moment of judgment. And if you look like Revelation 19, like verse 15, it says that Christ is going to come back and... He's going to come in these garments and he's going to, the garments you're going to notice, they're going to have some stains on them and it's literally, he's squashing out. So, so here's the imagery, you've got to understand it. So the Hebrew people, right, they would take the grapes, they would throw them into this, this, this vat, right, and what they would do is they would go in and they would smash them, right? And there would be like a drain right here that would allow the juice from what they were smashing to run out. They would use that, right? They're taking that imagery and instead of being grapes in the vat, it's people. And he's smashing them. It's their blood running. I know in this church, and I don't know if I've seen any churches, like the, in the area of children's ministry, they have that picture of Jesus up. Right? This is intense. All right, this is, this is a hard one to take. Like, you've you got to wrestle with this one for a moment. But look what he says again. Their lifeblood spattered on my garments. Right? I mean, this is an intense moment. And so I, I just posed maybe two questions that I was kind of wrestling with as I read this. Maybe you have other questions. I, 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 I wrote these down. One, why is he doing it? And is this okay? Like, why is he doing this? And secondly, like, is this okay? Like, does this change who Jesus is? Like, the good guy, right? The cookie cutter. Like, I don't know if you've seen, like, the, the, the Jesus senior portraits, right? Like, where he's always smiling or he's carrying a little lamb, right? He's like, oh, hello, it's Jesus. He's so cute. This guy's totally different. Like, it appears like that must be like somebody, like, he's had like a, like, what's happened? Like, so you need to understand, like, so question, two questions. Why is he doing it? Secondly, is this okay? So first one, why is he doing it? Look what he says here. I have trodden the wine press alone. And from the peoples, no one was with me. I trod them in my anger. Look what he says further. Let's just jump down to verse five. I looked, but there was no one to help. I was appalled. He's shocked. Look what he says. But there was no one to uphold. Is there no one else? Is nobody else that could bring victory? Could nobody else bring judgment to the nations? Could nobody else bring peace on earth? Can nobody else like handle all of these, these nations at war? Can nobody else speak up and bring actual justice? And the text says to us today from God's word, there's no one else. Nobody else could. People have tried. Right? I mean, there's nobody else that could overcome hatred and pride and violence and lying and stealing and obsession with money. There's, so, so if you want to know why is he doing this, it's because nobody else can make it right. Like, you want justice. You want peace. You want nations to finally not be at war. You want a place where you don't have to worry about your children going to school that they might get mowed down. You want a place where you don't have to worry about impeachments and people fighting. You want a place where you don't have to worry about children being hungry or not being clothed. You don't, you want a place where there's no abuse. There's no, like, people doing awful bad things. 
And as much as we want it, none of us can change it. But this one does. So if you want to know why is he doing it, that's why. Because nobody else can. Secondly, we've got to ask this question as a follow-up, right? Or at least I want to. Is this okay? I wrote this down. Does Jesus doing this make him a monster? Again, you've got to see the imagery. This is people! It's people! So again, context. Remember, back in verse 1 here, right? Look, Remember where he was coming from. He was coming from Eden, Edom, right? Edom represents what? The nations in rebellion to God. So this is God coming out and saying, listen, I'm going to bring to judgment all those who are opposed to me. Now listen, look, look, you're wondering, like, is this an accident? Like Jesus is confused, he's having a bad day? No, look what he says here. Here's, he wants you to understand why he's bringing this wrath, this lifeblood spattered on my garments, verse 3, and stained on all my apparel. Look here again, these key words try to help you with just constantly. There's, these are huge helpers for me to just interpret text. Verse 4, 4. Here's his answer. The day of vengeance is what this is called. Was in my what? And my year of redemption had come. This isn't an accident. This is God setting straight all the evil that's ever been done. And, And I've shared it before, but this is huge help to me. I just want to share it just really quickly. You've had injustice and awful things happen to you. I know everyone in this room has. One of two things is true, okay? Again, this is real briefly. One is it was either covered by Christ on the cross. What that was happened to you, Christ paid the penalty for what was done for you. You don't have to get even. Or secondly, this is true. They'll experience the day of vengeance and God will judge them for that because they rejected the only offer of salvation. So don't think anything's gotten by, right? They may have gotten off with a not guilty verdict. Nobody else right may know. They may have threatened you. It may have happened to you as a child. It may have been a spouse. It may have been someone that's done you wrong. But I want you to know that there's a just judge that's sitting on the throne and he sees all and he will bring all to account. Now we love that, but at the same time that should cause every heart here to go running to the cross because we realize that we're guilty too. Not just those people that have done us wrong. Those people, the truth is we are those people. So I wrote this. I might kind of maybe already played my hand out. That's, that's cool. Now before your self-righteousness rears its head and you think some God that is, never forget that before He tramples the nations in His wrath, this is the same God who first, according to Isaiah 53 and 12, poured out His soul unto death. So you see this and think, how could God do that? Because He first came, beloved. He came first to offer peace. And forgiveness and restoration with God. And yet people rejected Him. I don't want that. I don't need that Savior. I'm good enough on my own. I had someone this week tell me that. They're good enough on their own. They don't need Him. So they told me to share the gospel with them this week. I'm good enough, Blake. So listen, therefore, this judgment and their death and eternal damnation is the result of them refusing the only offer of salvation so again back to the twist right we, we opened up there with luke right that moment of i am your what i'm your father right it's just an epic moment that happens 
So we see this right here in Isaiah 63, 1 through 6, and think, okay, now it's over, right? Now it's ended, right? He's just crushed anybody that was in in opposition to him who refuses the son. He comes and brings judgment and just smashes them like they tread grapes in the wine press. But then verse 7 comes. And verse 7 starts to unfold for us that guess what? What we thought was actually here isn't here yet. But this is like what Isaiah has been doing throughout, like chapters six through 11, are like this hope of a coming king. The virgin will be a child, right? They'll give him the name, right? Wonderful counselor, mighty God. You remember as we walked through some of that. But then chapters 13 through 27 of Isaiah show us that guess what? That's not here all the way yet. And then we heard about this suffering servant, Isaiah 53, and then Isaiah 55 is about this great banquet that's coming in, God, in God's kingdom. And then Isaiah 56 verse one hits. And we see again that salvation is still yet to come. So we come here now to Isaiah 63, 1 through 6, and we've just read that he's going to judge the day of vengeance and going to tread the winepress, and he's going to bring judgment against all those who have rejected him and who are in rebellion against God. And we think, finally, it's over. Finally, no more enemies. And then verse 7 picks up. It's like this twist, like, what? And I think it's just this moment that we need to be honest that that's, listen, as we read the text, it's that statement of already but not yet. Like, we, this is coming, this is promised, but it's not here yet. You and I still live in this world that has fallen and broken. We still live in a world that is in rebellion against God. We still live in a world where bad people do bad things and they get by with it. Or so it seems. So you've got to collide with this text and realize that you're going to experience heartache and brokenness. And you're going to have moments when you're tempted to just throw in the towel. And maybe to throw in the towel on that Savior who purchases life for you. But that's where your faith must collide. With experience and emotions and everything else. And that's why you trust this blessed Savior. You commit your faith today, even when it's hard, even though you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil for you are what? You're with me. You're with me. I want to share with you today what happens here is a beautiful moment. Verse 7 uh, of Isaiah 63 through uh, verse 12 of Isaiah 64 is this moment in which these people just begin to pray. Like they see this coming, but it's not here yet. And their response is just to pray. And I want us to join them in that. And I want to share with you today uh, just something that's been super helpful in my life of just a way to pray. You may have heard of it before. I've shared it many times. But um, it's just this this ACTS acronym. I'll try to throw it up here on the screen. Right? And this ACTS acronym is is just helpful. I'll throw it all up here so you can see it all at once and then come back. All right, so you just see it, A-C-T-S. This is, again, something, if you ever thought, man, how might I pray? This is extremely practical, right? I mean, they just launch into prayer. We're going to walk with them in the prayer. But, right, they move of just this adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. We're going to walk with them today, and hopefully it empowers us to pray, to pray differently. So let's start right here, the first one today, this morning, adoration. Right? Adoration is just this time where in the midst of prayer, you're just praising and worshiping God. You just start out by just praising and worshiping Him. Listen to what the people do. Listen to how they do this. Begin in verse 7. I will recount. Look at this. They're, they're bringing to remembrance the steadfast love of the Lord. The praises of the Lord. According to all that the Lord has granted us and the great goodness of the house of Israel, that He has granted them according to His compassion according to the abundance of His steadfast love. 
I boxed out at steadfast love twice. Why? Because if you looked in the Hebrew, right, what this is written in, if you were reading this in the Hebrew text, what you would see is is that, that steadfast love is the word that begins the sentence and it's the word that ends the sentence. And it's saying, listen, you're going to experience some really shaky stuff in this life. And if there's something you need to remember today, it's the steadfast love of the Lord. It's the steadfast love of the Lord. It's this Hassad. It's this kindness of God, this mercy, this compassion of God. It, 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 it's where God starts and, and where God finishes. And, and you've got to see that, right? Our English maybe not just capture it just, just perfectly here. But that's what's happening in the text behind it. Why? Because we all experience these moments, right, where we're just struggling. Some of us, you, maybe you're experiencing today because you see this text and you wonder like, dude, I don't know if I want a God of wrath like that. And the Hebrew people might just come back and say, hey, listen, I, I know you may be struggling with him treading the wine press alone and stamp. I, I, I get it. But what you need to understand about this God is, is that's what we all deserve. In fact, our history is one of like, man, we had the Ten Commandments. And the moment that Moses went up there and he took too long, man, we just started worshiping other gods, even though he just delivered us out of Egypt bondage and he had parted the sea. Like, I mean, if, if you would talk to the Hebrew people, they would let you know, this God, listen, we don't deserve anything from him, yet in his love, he loves us. I mean, it's like a steadfast love, just a faithful love. So I know you, you may think he's this God of wrath and judgment, and I don't know if you, you don't like what you just heard in the opening verses of Isaiah 63, but I want you to know that's what we all deserve, but his love toward us is even while we were still sinners. Christ did what? He died for us, didn't he? Romans 5 and 8. See, as Christians, we too know this anthem. We know that life, right, we begin with the love of God. We know that we will finish with the love and the mercy and the kindness of God. And so for everything else that we experience in between, we understand it from those two ends. It helps us know that what God starts, He will finish. And so listen, this is beautiful, right? Because why? This launches them into prayer, doesn't it? To realize that this is a God of steadfast love, that this is the God of, of great goodness, right? Of all that He's done in the past. Of he's, he's a God of compassion. He's got an abundant, steadfast love. Does that like not move you that you've never earned or deserved this? This is of God's great grace and mercy and kindness to you. It's not because you came to church today or you gave enough today or you've been good enough this week or you stopped cussing this week or whatever it is. This is the love of God. As John tells us, we love him because he what? He first loved us. Do you see how this is just, again, this is them praying. They're remembering the things God's done. It's just boom. That's our God. Boom, that's my God. Boom, that's my God. Boom, that's my... Like, you, like, it just starts, like, jacking you up, man. It's like a totally different way of praying rather than just walking in like, God, would you... Uh, this is bad again today. This No, like, start with who God is. And what you'll be amazed is the time you get to your problem, you'll realize your God's so much bigger. That problem's so small. You're like, why am I stressing and worrying? Look who my God is. Look what he's already defeated, death and sin, my greatest enemy. So I don't have to worry about these other things. He's already given me the greatest thing. Will he not also give us all things, as Paul says? This is a great moment. Look what he says further, verse 9. In all their affliction, he was afflicted. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and his pity, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. This is a beautiful moment. You've got to remember in the midst of praying. 
These folks have received God's grace, His goodness. Verse 8 is talking about the fact that they're chosen as His children, right? I mean, there's just this hope that the people of Israel had. And then listen to what happened there in verse 9. This is just, this is just the Scriptures being so honest and beautiful. You need to remember this. In all their what? Affliction. So you're telling me that people God loved and He chose and He's shown His steadfast love and His compassion and mercy and He's done all this goodness to He's going to let them experience bad things? That's exactly what Isaiah and the people of God are saying. He's saying, listen, absolutely, right? Well, there's going to come moments when we all experience the hard moments of life. But listen to what happens in these hard moments, right? It might be that He delivers, them, delivers you from the circumstances, but likely it's going to be this. He's going to keep you through the circumstances, Right? It likely isn't going to be that God will deliver you from the circumstances. He may very well do that. He may take the bad diagnosis. He may take whatever's happened in your life financially. He may take things and just change them and say, boom, it's him. He can absolutely do that. But there's going to be a lot of times in your life, listen, where those things don't go away. And what he's going to do is keep you in those and through those. That's what he's saying here. In all their affliction, notice what it says. He was afflicted. <laughs> he's experienced. He's walking with his people, Right? Right, that, that's, that's why when he says Saul of Tarsus, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute what? Me! No, no, Paul was, Saul was messing with the church, but he says, listen, you mess with my people, you mess with me! That's a God I, dude, I can just do like this right here to that brother. I love that, man. That was one of my awesome things I love about having big brothers. That little brother sometimes not good. That's one of the good things about having big brothers. Somebody mess with you, it's this weird phenomenon, right? Like they beat you up at home, but if somebody ever messes with you out, it's over, right? Like they're going after that part. Like, I don't understand. Like, why, why not protect me at home too from you? But anyway, but listen, it says, in all their affliction, verse 9, he was afflicted. And look what he does here. Just a couple things. We've got to get rolling. He saves them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them. And listen to this. I want to just pause just for a moment. Slow down. Look what it says here. He lifted them up and what? Carried them all the days of old. Some of you need that, man. You just need to. You need that right now today. Right? God is with you right there in the midst of your battling of depression. Right? I mean, you may not see it, but he's, he's just there saving you. you. You may not see it today. Right? Through the loss of that loved one, that person that you love, you're just hurting today. And you just, you don't, you know, there's just no way, right? You don't understand. But God's just there carrying you. It's the fact that you're even here this morning. You, you, there's been times where you probably wanted to close the book. You probably wanted to shove him away. But man, it just, he's there carrying you. Right? I mean, it's just the goodness of God. And some of you, listen, you know what it was like for that drug addiction to over, just to rule over your life. But God and his love and his pity, man, he's just redeemed you. Does that not move you to a place of just worship today that you're here? That you could be so many other places. You could have already shut the book on your faith. This God, listen, does that not move us to adore Him? So again, it's not only adoration. Secondly, listen, it's confession. Right? It's, it, we're going to jump forward in the text for a moment. But listen, he just, he just, this is a moment of confession, of just getting really honest and vulnerable with God. And listen, that may seem dangerous, but when you see there, there's a God of this just steadfast love that He knows that we've messed up, He knows that we've blown it, and yet He still sends His Son anyway, He still redeems us anyway, does that not like just encourage you? Does that not just compel you just to get vulnerable today, just, just to offer it up? 
to come confessing. So look what happens here, Isaiah 64, beginning verse 1. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Man, we could stop right there and just spend a while. Like nothing else will do, but God, if you show up. Right? I mean, that was that was the prayer, man, I had when my dad was sick. I just keep praying that prayer. Lord, if you're willing, you can make him clean. Oh, God, if you just rend the heavens, you would just come down. You just touch my daddy, God. No, you could heal him. Man, we could just stay and rest there for a while. I want to encourage some of you who are in that battle, man. That, 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 that storm is rocking your boat. Just keep crying out. That the mountains might quake at your presence as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil to make your name known to your adversaries and the nations might tremble at your presence. This is about you, God, you showing up, you revealing how great you are. It's just an awesome moment. Right? I mean, you just get honest and say, Lord, I can't heal my child, but if you came down, Lord, you could. Lord, I want to rescue that person that I love, my friend that's in that abusive relationship. I've been trying to help counsel them. Get out, get help. I've been trying to... But God, I know if you, God, if you would step in, if you would rend the heavens, that word rend is like literally like taking the heavens like a cloth and him just going, boom, like, like Hulk Hogan, right? Remember when Hulk would just like, bam, rip that bad boy open. It's like, God, I want you just to, bam, rip the heavens open and just come down. So listen to this. Watch, watch this, this confession. Just begin to get really honest with God. Verse 5. You meet him who joyfully works righteousness. Those who remember you in your ways. Behold, you were angry and we sinned. Look, let's get honest. We're just, we're just sin. In our sins, listen to this statement. In our sins, we have been a what? Long time. And shall we be saved? Some of you are there, you're wondering that. Like, dude, I, I've been messed up for a long time. Could I be saved? We have all become like one who is unclean. All our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf and our iniquities like the wind. They take us away. I mean, just this honest moment of just getting really real and vulnerable. Here's, here's what's challenging. Listen to this statement. You meet him, right? So this is God coming to meet someone who joyfully works righteousness, who does good things, right? Who does the work of the Lord. He's like, well, that's encouraging until you read in verse 6. Look what he says. And all our righteous deeds, so this, this, this working of righteousness is what he's referring back to, are like a what? Polluted garment. Now the net Bible gets a little scandalous. It follows from the original text pretty, 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 pretty direct. And it says that all of our righteous deeds are like a minstrel rag. It's, it's, I, I want to use that in context. I, really, I know I'm going to mix the audience. But I just want you to hear that because I want you to know if you're trusting today like that person I shared the gospel with this week and you think that somehow you'll be good enough, God says your goodness is like the, it's, uncl- it's like a polluted garment. It's, it's like you're trusting in that? That's pretty graphic, isn't it? This is God's word though. He says if you're trusting in being good enough, it's a polluted garment. Your righteous deeds are made, you're not clean. You're not. So then, God, how in the world would you ever meet me? And the good news is there's one who worked righteousness on your behalf and he lived a sinless and perfect life and died on the cross as if he lived your polluted garment life. And he paid the penalty for your polluted garment. 
And God was satisfied with that payment. And by faith, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, today your polluted garment is taken away and His righteousness is given to you. And because of that, God meets you. It's only because of Christ. Wow, what a moment. But I mean, listen, that's just, that's just, have you just been confessing? Have you just been that honest? Right? Like, you think your church attendance is enough? Not a chance. You think surely your giving might get you into heaven? Nope, not that either. Maybe you're serving, right? Maybe you're serving will get you a seat at the table. And this text says absolutely not. Listen to what he says here. All have become like one who is unclean. That's the word indicating for leprosy. He says we're like lepers. We all are. Listen, our sin, it's like the wind. It takes us away. It, it draws us not toward the cross, but it repels us. We don't want that. We don't want to acknowledge. We don't want to humble ourselves and confess that we are actually broken people in need of healing. And so this is just honest confession of these people. Now listen, we, we jump forward. If you notice, we jump forward in the text into Isaiah 64, right? Verses 1 through 6. And we kind of talk through that for a moment. We need to hit rewind. And listen, I, I think this is beautiful. Why? Because... As much as I like the acronym ACTS, right, and now we're going to move to Thanksgiving, they don't follow that exactly. So don't hear this today and think, oh, I've got to pray ACTS now. That's the only way I could pray. This is the only way that's like church approved to pray. No, that's not it. So I, I, I'm excited that it doesn't follow. As much as I would like for it to be clean, it's not. So listen, it's just a reminder to you, this is a way of praying, right? This is a way to help you pray. So again, not only adoration, praising God, confession of sin, Thanksgiving. Listen to this. This is just a time of thanking God in your prayer. Listen to how these people do it. Back again. Rewind the text back just for a moment. Isaiah 63, beginning verse 11. Then he remembered the days of old of Moses and his people. Where is he who brought them up out of the sea with the shepherds of his flock? Where is he who put in the midst of them his Holy Spirit, who caused his glorious arm to go at the right hand of Moses, who divided the waters before them to make for himself an everlasting name, who led them through the depths like a horse in the desert? They did not stumble like livestock that go down in the valley. The Spirit of the Lord gave them rest. So you led your people to make for yourself a glorious name. They're just recounting all the days of old that God has done how he brought them out, how he shepherded them, how he's given the Holy Spirit, right? And this is not even the sense of the fullness of the Holy Spirit as we understand the New Testament, those who receive it by faith in Christ, right? They're remembering how he divided the waters, right? How he led them through the depths, how like a horse they did not stumble, right? I mean, listen, think about all the things that you and your life have been through and by God's grace this morning still stand, does that not move you to thank this blessed Savior who is not only what He began in you, He will bring to completion. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to His good pleasure. This is the greatness of God in your praying. Is there just a time of just thanking God for what He's done? Have you forgotten the days of old? Have you forgotten that your righteousness in and of yourself is like a polluted garment? Have you forgotten how good God has been to you? Have you forgotten that time when you were praying and, and that person in your family was healed? Have you forgotten what it was like when you were praying and crying out to God and seeing people saved? Have you forgotten what it was like when you had no money and you didn't know where that next one was going to come from and somebody called and you got a job? Have you forgotten what it was like when there was a drought and your little girl went to the front back porch and prayed and God sent rain? Have you forgotten the days of old? 
which is the power of God's Spirit to transform our brain. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and finally, supplication. Supplications where you're just praying for yourself and for others. Again, it's just launching you. It's a way to pray. I want to encourage you because, wow, we see the people here doing it. Again, now we've got to jump back in Isaiah 64, so we're close today. But now, Lord, verse 8, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. Be not so terribly angry, O Lord, and remember not iniquity forever. Behold, please look, we are all your people. Listen, listen to what's happened in their lives. Listen, they're just interceding. They're crying out to God. Why? Because listen, God, we read Isaiah 63. We realize that you're going to bring judgment, but that hasn't happened yet. The big bad wolf's still outside barking and yelling and breathing. Right? I don't know what the big bad wolf is in your life, but my guess is a crowd this size, there's some big bad wolves in your life. And they're still out there at the door. When you walk out of this church, they're still going to be there. But some of they say, verse 10, your holy cities have become a wilderness. Zion, right? For Zion's sake. We read that, we studied that just a couple weeks ago. For Zion's sake, Zion has become a wilderness. Jerusalem, a desolation. Our holy and beautiful house where our fathers praise you. God, the temple, it was burned by fire. The Babylonians come in and just wreck it. God, that was Solomon's temple. That's where you promised your presence would. God, like, what's happened? God, like, you ever just been there? Like, God, I don't understand. I read your word and my life experience doesn't seem to match what's happening here. And beloved, that's why we walk by faith and not by what? Sight. Fixing our eyes. Not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen, he says, is indeed temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And all that started with the statement that our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And the only way that you know that it far outweighs what you're experiencing now is you must receive it by faith, by trusting in the blessed Word of God as you look upon His wonderful face and the things of earth grow strangely what? Dim and the light of his what? Glory and grace. That's right. Let's keep singing those songs. Keep bringing them back to memory. They're important. Man, uh, maybe you just need to be honest, right? Today, listen, that, that's, that's, again, this supplication. Behold, please look. Man, I, I don't know if you've ever been just broken. You've been to the place where you don't have like the churchy lingo to pray. Like you don't have like the, like the good words. It doesn't sound good anymore. You're just like, please, Lord. Please, Father, Jesus, help me, please. Like, like it's just like, it's like I, everything out the listen, I, I, just, I just need Jesus. Please, God, help me. It's just like a moment of desperation. These people are just like, please, look. Man, so I want to encourage you. Lord, I would just begin to cry out to God. Mama's sick, maybe. Maybe your mom's sick, but you just begin to cry out. Please, God, heal her. Maybe your family used to be strong, but now it's like splinter and there's broken relationships and you're not sure if certain people are even going to show up at Thanksgiving in a month and you're worried about what Christmas is going to look like because these people are mad at these people and they're not coming if they're coming and if it's going to be there, then I won't be there. And it's like, oh God, please, please look, rend the heavens and come down. Anybody else live in that world? Yeah. Please look. We are all your people. A couple things in closing. Adoration. 
Again, uh, man, just this, this time of adoration, it, it will ignite your prayer life. Let God's word, listen, here's what I want to encourage you. This has been the biggest transformation in my prayer, right? I was shared this, this way of praying in 2004, but what's transformed my praying is just praying God's word. If you struggle with just feel like you pray the same thing over and over again, I encourage you, grab a psalm. It's a great place to start and just follow it. And man, you'll be amazed how it'll just launch you into praising, adoring, worshiping God. So I want to encourage you, just start by getting God's word out, saying, Spirit, please speak, please God, please lead me. I want to praise and worship Jesus. The Spirit is pleased to do that. You want the, you want the Spirit to be showing up in your prayer life? You just start getting to saying, God, I just want to give you praise. Spirit man will just start to just, just start to lead you in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Confession. James 5 speaks about, right, confessing, um, praying for each other for physical healing, but it also says this confess your sins one to another that what? Healing may come. I want to ask you today, just challenge you. Who in this church do you have a close enough relationship with that you are comfortable confessing something to? And if there's not one person in this church. One, we got to do something as leadership. We got to do something to help with that. But I want to maybe push back a little bit and say, man, are you connected here? There's a lot of great brothers and sisters. I'll just be honest. Are we all perfect? No, there's a lot of great brothers and sisters in this place who love the Lord. So I want to I encourage you, right? Can you get connected? Sunday school class is a great place to get connected. Nine o'clock, just an hour earlier. Right? There's times we meet on Sunday nights. So we meet on Wednesday nights to study. I, Get involved serving, right? Those are things that make... I just want to ask you, right? It says, confess your sins one to another. Healing may come. doesn't mean that you immediately come up and just vomit up all your nastiness. I'm not saying that immediately, right? Don't, don't do that. Most people probably be like, okay, a little much, right? But as that relationship builds... So I want to ask you, who do you have in this church, right? Just again, practical application of this that you can confess sins to. Now again, they're not your priest, right? There's one great high priest and mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus... So I'm not, I'm not saying that. So thirdly, Thanksgiving. Listen, this isn't just learning a new way to pray. They were remembering to live differently. Okay, that's what they're calling to count. When they say remember, recount, right? You said that, that verse 1, verse 7 of Isaiah 63. They were not just saying, listen, guys, we need to remember what God's done and be thankful for it. They were saying, listen, guys, because of who he is and what he's done, our lives need to respond. This is obedience, a thankful life. Right, maybe a thankful life for you might involve fostering or adoption as a way of saying, God, thank you that you adopted me. Here I am, God, I'm available. You welcome me into your family. You knew what I was like. Right, some of you, listen, Thanksgiving might, again, this Thanksgiving, this thankful living might involve just helping out an elderly or maybe there's a mentally handicapped or physically handicapped person that you know or you live close to. Maybe you can just help them get groceries. Maybe you can just help them as gifts come up and they're trying to figure out what's going to happen Thanksgiving and Christmas. Maybe you can just, you can just be that person that steps in and just Thanksgiving, right? This is, again, it's a, it's a way of living. Fourth and last supplication. I want to ask, who's your one? Who's your one? Do you have a one? This week, just had opportunities out just sharing the gospel. Listen, i got three new people on my list. Just the result of just a couple hours one day. I want to challenge you to get out and share the gospel. And as you do, you will encounter people who will not believe and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Man, there's somebody for you to begin interceding and praying for. So challenge you in those ways. The beauty of this message 
is that although we all deserve to be in that wine press, being trotted and smashed, is that Christ came and gave His life. He suffered God's wrath. He suffered that judgment. He was smashed. That by His wounds you could be what? Healed. Today, will you come and repent and believe upon the name of Jesus? Today, will you come and want to get united with this church that you can begin serving and ministering this community with us? Get connected here. I challenge you today to respond to the gospel this morning. Would you pray with me? Father, in the strong name of Christ, would you please, God, save and transform people. The disciples in this place, Father, I pray today they are strengthened by your word. Father, those who are weak and weary in this place, Father, I pray today was a day of encouragement to realize they're not the first person to wonder, man, I thought it was coming and it hasn't yet. I pray that they would walk by faith today. Today their faith would be strengthened to not throw in the towel, to not give up or run away, but instead to say, I surrender all. I pray in the name of Christ, Lord. Amen. This is Todd Young with Greensburg Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ during today's podcast, we would love to hear from you and connect you with a home church in your area. Or if you have questions regarding a relationship with Christ, Brother Blake and I would love to speak with you. Please contact us at the church office at 270-932-4495 or connect with us through our website at greensburgbaptist.com. In addition, you may visit our website anytime to access the sermon videos and podcast of any recent sermon. You may also subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store. Have a great day today.